Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world and thus making the world a better place for horses. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. I was born on Wiradjuri country and this podcast is brought to you from Turrbal and Yagara country. I'd like to recognise the first Australian's custodianship of this country for tens of thousands of years and their connection to land, water, community and our sacred animals. I am grateful to elders past, present and emerging. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. To the conscious horse people who came before me to lead the way. To those who stand beside me in our community now. And for those who will continue after we are long gone. I'd like to say thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. If you'd like to support the podcast and all the work that Lauren and I do, then you can. Just head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and sign up from as little as a cup of coffee a month you can help me keep this podcast going there are many tiers that you can choose from and if everyone who listens gave only five dollars a month it would make a massive positive difference to me there is a tier in there for small business subscription just like the one peter pap took up from peter and the herd this is the one where your business gets a mention each podcast episode Peter works with equine behaviour and trauma recovery, equine communication and human and horse relationship building. Peter has had communication with my mare Gypsy who was the mare with me in the podcast picture and he was spot on about everything in there and he helped me a lot so I can highly recommend his work personally. Peter has also helped some of the listeners of this podcast, all of those who speak very highly of his work. You can contact Peter by looking him up on Facebook under Peter and the Herd or you can go to the show notes and follow the links there. In this episode, I speak with Belinda Bolsonbrook. Belinda has been on my radar for a few years as she coaches locally around my area and I've seen the calibre of people who have worked with her and who swear by her training and I've always wanted to know more. She comes so very highly regarded around this area. And let me tell you, Belinda exceeded all of my already high expectations of a wonderful interview that I believed I would have with her. Belinda reminded me of so many things that I value about working with horses, and these things can so easily be lost and forgotten in searching for the correct method or techniques. Belinda believes that if you are focusing on technique or methods without having looked into the horse's eyes and connected with their soul, then your technique will not ever matter, nor will it work to build a true connection with your horse. See what I mean? And that is only a tiny part of what we talked about. This was such an enlightening conversation and such a pleasure for my soul as well as my mind. This is one that I personally will be going back to a few times over the years probably to remind myself of the essence of working with horses because I think Belinda absolutely nailed it. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy the amazing Belinda Bolsonbrook. Here is Belinda. Belinda, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Tracy. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. And can you first tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? 
Um, I'm a uh, I'm a coach in um, in training of horses and um, a little bit in a really holistic kind of approach of training. So my background is actually like I was I was born in a, a, a horse horse home and uh, particularly in uh, eventer and dressage world so competitive. But um, but my mother was already a classically educated rider. And so I had a great interest in classical training as I grew up and horses were just part of daily life. Um, and um, and I really ventured into the classical education because it seemed better for horses. And as I educated, as my education went in that way, I grew and developed into uh, the biomechanical side of uh, of learning about horses. So really going into the scientific side of what is correct, what's functional movement and what's not functional. Because as I started coaching, when I grew up and I, I started coaching as a 13 year old. Um, so I've been doing it for a long time now. Um, and I just noticed that there was, uh, there was just so much uh, going on with people and their horses in, not just in uh, just getting the performance, but really just in horses being broken down under riders and what were the better training methods. So that went classical. Then I really felt that you have to look at science and see what is the body capable of? And then, of course, a big part of the journey was also animal communication for me. Um, and um, and that's where, yes, I kind of combined that as a coach. For me, it's, it's an overall that the two principles of my coaching are the two pillars of, of coaching are animal communication and um, functional movement for horses. And that's what I do. I uh, travel normally when it's not COVID at times. I travel around the world and I coach people to uh in in all disciplines um in functional movement functional training and how to connect to their horses and learn how to listen and therefore always improve their horses physically and and mentally and their relationship i guess Mm, wonderful that's Belinda's beautiful baby in the background. Yeah, sorry about that. No need to be sorry, but we'll just let you know that they don't have to look around for the crying baby. It's no. on the podcast. It's just, it's just my little one. Yeah, eight months. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, you said in there that um, you said something that really caught my attention. You said you wanted to look for a way that was better for horses. Can you tell me the story of how that unfolded for you? So I, uh, as I said, I was brought up in in a, like, I guess, a competitive home, um, particularly from my father's side. Um, My grandfather was an eventer, like my father's side uh, was brought up with breeding eventer horses, like uh, trekaner horses. And, um, And so I was kind of well, naturally, gets pushed down that path. And I had an own interest in, in dressage, as, you know, lots of girls do growing up. So I was uh, competing in dressage. Um, and so then as I developed and uh, got quite good at what I was doing, um, I was invited, I was, I was invited by the, at that time, uh, Olympic coach of the Netherlands to be, uh, trained to yeah be part of the part of the team as a young rider and um, that really woke 
like that really opened my eyes when I went there. Cause when I was home and I was training horses for other people, I was coaching. Um, I was, uh, we were often getting, uh, horses that were trained by the top of Germany and the Netherlands that were like, that didn't quite make it. And there was a lot of breakdown physically, but also emotionally in these horses, very, very shut down when they come to us. And in my natural environment around in my home, we already had a very kind and um, open approach to communicating with our animals and to keep them in the most natural environment possible in for in the Netherlands because it's it's usually um, you know horses are mostly stable there and all of that so um, in that way I wasn't exposed to a lot of at the time what we call Rocker or hyperflexion methods that was not how I was brought up and when I went to go all of a sudden to this um, yeah, big uh, big stable to to learn from this uh, this man. Um, I was all of a sudden exposed to those training methods because that was kind of at the height of um, of hyperflexion of of Rolkur riding, and I was told that that was the way to train horses. So wow. <laughs> I lasted I lasted only a couple of weeks, <laughs> and uh, and that was it for me. I didn't like it at all. I brought one of my own competitive competition stallions um, that I had at the time, and um, I had some work with him with uh, with this way of code of of training. And um, the horse didn't look at me for. Uh, three days after one session and I actually um, called my father and um, and went home and said that's not what I want to do and then I changed direction really drastically I actually um, I swapped one of my main competition horses for a little uh, young uh, Spanish stallion so I went for a very classical type and uh, my dad didn't speak to me for two weeks. <laughs> uh, he said, "Did you, did you trade this horse for that pony?" Um, and uh, and then I went to uh, follow on in an education with uh, Ben Kandrup, with the academic art of riding. And after a year of his training, I became a knight in his schooling. Um, so that was the classical path I went on. And for me, that was already. Um, a whole different approach of well as Ben used to say the dressage is for the horse not the horse for dressage and that was really in, in alignment with how I had been brought up with horses in my family so um, I did that I became one of his coaches but I still felt that I needed to go and dive deeper and um, and that's when I went and traveled and, and really looked for that. And I met uh, Gert Horschmann and I um, spent some time with him and learned a lot uh, in a very short time of it really opened my eyes to actually looking at uh, backgrounds of movement, like really what's going on inside the horse that, that makes it right. And um, so that's how I traveled into the biomechanics. And for me, the real natural part of the other side of that, and also coaching a lot. I've been coaching a lot from the beginning. And, uh, and you learn a lot through uh, working with other people and, and their, uh, their approaches of, you know, their communication with their animal and all of that. So that's just a natural uh, development with, uh, with the two sides of things, like that communication side of, uh, of working with horses and what is the horse telling us? 
mm-hmm. about how it feels about something because we can look at it really scientifically and we can see um, what is correct movement or where the horse is not feeling good like i mean once you develop your eye for soundness um and uh, you you can you can see the restrictions in horses or where they're feeling uh, yeah where they're feeling pain um, or discomfort. There's a whole other side to that. Is then how do you actually approach making that horse feel better? Is it because re- they're an individual uh, spirit as well? They're a whole spirit, and uh, and that's the first thing I think to recognize. That's what I first look at in the training. Is that uh, what does the horse feel? How does it feel about um, trying something new? and and trying to make you feel better Mm. wow you said something before um that i would like you to talk more about because it's profound and it's the there's dressage and there's dressage you said brent said that there's dressage this is not dressage for the rider it's dressage for the horse can you explain that for us please absolutely um the original purpose of dressage is that we first of all the very first beginning of dressage is that um, we learn how to communicate with our animal so that there's there's two parts of of dressage training which is just the training of an animal but for me it goes further than that it's not training of an animal it's more training of a human to understand how the animal works and so that is that is the first part of it in the beginning of dressage we just learn how to speak a language between uh between us and our our horses and then the second part of dressage is that of course the horse is the only animal that's so close to us where we actually sit on its back and we want to have a communication where we can ride it and that's quite a significant thing if you think about it. it's quite strange that we develop that way with our horses and it's very interesting that if we're looking at all of the research of what is what we're looking at of what science brings us today is that um, riding horses is damaging for horses. Mm. Proven. Proven. Mm. Um, most most um, researchers, most experts in the field will tell you that all horses develop damage from being ridden over time they'll develop kissing spine um, if they do not break down already earlier in um, their joints um, they develop osteoarthritis throughout the spinal column but also in their uh, in all the other joints of the legs in particular in hocks and stifles and all of that and so is it possible to ride our horses without damaging them and and why is it that um, our average age of horses of horses in sports in uh, being used by humans as, as ridden um, animals the average age is nowadays is around eight years old mm-hmm. and if we're looking at the actual development of the uh, the body of a horse a horse isn't even not even a, a grown-up it's not fully developed at eight years old which means that we are breaking down youngsters like teenagers in a way, right? This is pretty significant to understand that. Now, when we're looking at the original purpose of dressage, and it's not very much used and educated today, is that we actually take care that when we ride our horses, we do not damage them. The original, in the original purpose of dressage, we are developing the body in a way that it can carry a rider without breaking down. And in my experience, um, and uh, in the research coming from 
my side more and more we can establish that the old masters were not that dumb they actually had a good understanding of horse training and when to touch a horse. One of the very, very first ingredients of that is not training our horses too young, like starting to sit on their back uneducated because it's not just about the mental side of things. Like a horse likes to be with humans. We've been breeding them for a very, very long time to be very close to us. And they don't really have an issue of us sitting on their back. Mm. But it is that they cannot carry us well if we do not make sure that we create a healthy um, system of functioning. Um, then, uh, yeah, and then it's inevitable that they break down. Even if you ride on a loose rein in the in the forest and enjoy your time together, um, the body is not designed to just carry weight structurally over time for a long period of time. Um, it needs to have consistent training, and and a big part of that training is uh, groundwork is actually, uh, you know, developing the, the body to be strong enough to carry a rider without the rider's weight, um, and particularly as a youngster. So that is, the, that is dressage training. Original dressage training is for uh, soundness, for mm -hmm. creating long-term soundness and for the well-being of the horses because that other, of that other ingredient, communication, that we do not bring the horse in situations where it does not feel well looked after or safe or nurtured yeah that's so amazing this is you've just summed it up what i've been um um hoping to bring to the world for many years i was um in my younger horse days i was like oh dressage it's just you know people punting around with horses you know i had i was so ignorant to what was going on and it was in starting this podcast and starting to talk to people with such amazing knowledge that i became aware of how important dressage is and how it's a it's a key to every sport every discipline um if Absolutely. you could put a bit of dressage in there what it can do for your horse is extraordinary yes exactly mm. in the fact of uh even even in uh liberty work there's something that we call like you know dressage work in like in french it's just it's just the meaning of the word it's just animal training so um and for me i over those over all the years of excuse me of training and and working with other people i think that um for me it's even more important the part of dressage where it is that communication with an animal and keeping keeping them healthy and in a good place um so so the language that we speak with them is even more important rather than the i the old more old-fashioned idea of training the animal so that it does as we want um, for me, it goes much deeper than that. It's actually them teaching us in many ways. And, um, and it's an ability to create a close bond with this amazing animal and to learn from each other. Like that's a, to grow together um, is a very, very beautiful um, development. So it's not just a given. And even if we do not want to sit on our horses, I think that's important too. That's uh, one thing that... I've learned is that um, as a coach that we need to understand that it's not about just what other people want to do. It's not about getting that discipline and getting the high score. That's a nice thing too. And, and I do know from experience that when we take the right approach of original dressage training, then you will also create the results in, in all the uh, given disciplines. If it is um, eventing or show jumping or dressage, but um, but 
really at the very start of it is what that individual person would like to do with their horses. If you would like to enjoy your horse being on the ground and just working at liberty, then it's your full ride, no matter what everybody else is saying, because it's your road, it's your journey with your horse. Um, and that's, that's what it is about, because really for most people, being with horses is a hobby and it's about spending time beautifully um, and, uh, and leaving, you know, stress of daily, daily life behind. Um, but for how many people is that the reality nowadays? Because for most people working with their horses actually start, it, it starts like that, but then it becomes very stressful. And, and I think that what you said before, when you're talking about when you started, you're just thinking about prancing around on horses is actually a really, really important point is that most people start with a horse in nowadays in our modern society all over the world with a lot of with, with very little information just a lot of facts we have a horse and we can ride it this is a saddle and this is the bit and now you can get on it you hop on and you go for a ride and this is how you walk trot and canter but we do not actually learn what what people that still were working with animals on a daily base grew up with naturally some centuries ago right um so we have a lot of miscommunication from the start a lot of people not understanding what dressage is about or what even just communication with the animal is about so there's a, there's a lot of people catching up to that later when they get into trouble with their first horse and they get frustrated with the system they're in and all of that and they start looking for better ways so really really important to bring out uh knowledge so, uh, yeah, I think that this is a beautiful platform as well that you're using uh, to, uh, to provide people with, with knowledge before things go drastically wrong. Yeah. Um, learn to communicate, learn to understand what it is, what the, what the horse needs and, uh, and what, it is, what it is about. Mm. Mm, absolutely. It's, um, it's one of those things. It's the most told story there is, is, you know, that one horse who refused to train in that way. Therefore, I needed to find another way. That one horse that just refused to get on the trailer made me learn something new. And that's with a lot of the trainers as well. Mm. Um, you know, that, that is the story. And, you know, my great hope is that that's our generation's story, but not the next generation's story. I if know, get yeah. Enough information out there that they can start as they wish to continue and we can make real change in the world for horses. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that is a beautiful, uh, that's, that's a beautiful goal, right? To, mm -hmm. um, to be able to help people, young, young kids that could start with horses, just starting in a, in a proper way, like communication and working in freedom with their animal and just learning how to first be with an animal and develop that, uh, the language and the, the relationship, and then, you know, develop a good idea about how that, uh, how the body works so that they can actually ride a horse without creating all that damage and drama that we see mm. nowadays. And then and, having to work to reverse it, so many things, you know. Oh yes, even at a top level, the needless, it's, need, it's needless pain, like it's not, need, it shouldn't be there. The, the, the discussions that are going on about um, training methods, they, they're, they're useless discussions because it shouldn't even have to be a discussion if there was proper education from the start. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's time for a very quick break because there's something really important that I'd like to tell you about. 
Another of our small business subscribers for this podcast is the Heart Horse Box. Heart Horse was created by friends Teaster and Charlotte, who found a beautiful spot to place themselves in the horse business world. They have created a safe online community environment outside the noisy world of social media, where you can dive in and speak openly with heart-minded, conscious horse people of all disciplines and breeds. This membership includes live seminars and classes from equine experts from all areas of the equestrian world. They also have the beautiful Heart Horse Box subscription. I do love this one as it's centred around you, the conscious horse person, receiving nourishing gifts for you as Heart Horse understand that you are already taking amazing care of your horse and they want to make sure you are doing the same for yourself. I am thrilled to let you know that if you go to hearthorsebox.com and use the code EDENRIVER, you will receive a 25% discount on your first month of the Heart Horse Community Membership. That one is international. That's one for everyone in the world. You may also like to check out their Heart Horse podcast. It's another great free resource from the Heart Horse team. You may even find the episode where I was a guest on their podcast talking about my life with horses and how this podcast and the conscious horse movement came about. The links are also in the show notes. And now you've said the word a lot and I want you to go a lot deeper into what connection is and communication is for you with horses. Oh, wow. That is a, that is a, uh, it's communication and connection with horses um we learn to redevelop our intuitive side when we work with horses um a more deeper natural communication than what we use in our modern world with everything with words we work with horses when we start to develop horse language you learn to develop your energetic language um and i think more than anything else, that is what balance, what creates balance in people as well. So, in uh, harmony, and um, and that is, yeah, that's what horses teach us. That's what we get from horses. Um, horses have a very beautiful, complete language, and as a spirit, a horse is very much an animal that lives in in the present. So that's another thing that we develop with horses when you work with a horse you're living you're in the moment at that very moment and of course there is horses can carry trauma a lot actually and they they can carry a history of trauma or or experiences but if you create a space where they can just be um in the present moment with you they they will uh it's it goes that goes very deep it's a little bit tricky to explain that in a short yeah. <laughs> in a short version. And so but, much of it needs to happen in experience in your body as well. It's very hard to describe in audio. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, but, um, but yeah, it is. It's exactly like you say. There's a lot in our body. Um, what we get from yoga practice or meditation, uh, dancing, a lot of those things we can actually get from working with horses in a very natural and direct way and uh and on top of that we then learn how to how to move differently how to be more in balance how to balance our emotions um horses are 
reflecting that to us very directly. And when we learn how to listen to that and communicate in, in the way back to a horse, that's when real communication starts to happen. And, um, and on a technical side of things, when real riding actually shoots up and becomes quality, like that communication is the very first step. Um, yeah, like I think that with horses, like, their, their communication is very energetically um, and very direct as well. And it's very small language, like where we can miss it very easily. If we're not practiced and trained, it's very easy to miss eye contact with the horse. For example, in that, in that sense, like let's, let's go into eye contact with horses. There's many, many people I know that I get to work with that have, might have been working with their horses for an entire lifetime. They might have uh, developed themselves in some classical schooling and do groundwork with horses and work on the side of their horses. But when you ask them, they've never looked the horse in the eye. They're always busy with the body. Where is the body moving? Where's the hind leg? Where's the shoulder? Um, what are the steps? But they don't connect to what's going on in the soul. And so when they start making eye contact can be really direct and very intense for the horse as well. Because horses make eye contact a lot. Like they actually have uh, a real wish to make that deeper connection and deeper communication. And it's almost a violation if you don't. Because if you're thinking about it, it's quite strange to walk, work next to another being. A complete being, a complete spirit. And you just work with their body. And you're never actually connecting to the soul. It's um, almost a form of abuse, isn't it? It when is. You, yeah. It really is. Yeah, in my opinion, that really is. It's, a, it's almost a form of slavery, of just using their body as a tool. And, uh, and we should really start at connecting to the soul and learn how to make communication directly in that way. And, and when we do that, when we continuously go back to looking at what comes out from the horse, we start to understand that as a, also as a herd animal and a very much a, a family um, animal too, because herd animals have very strong family bonds and very strong connections to uh, that one individual or other individuals. Um, so we also understand the, the the balance and flow of movement that horses mirror us. And we also often mirror our horses, but we're just unaware of it. So uh, that's, a, that's a really beautiful first start of, uh, of animal communication, I guess. And then we can go much deeper than that because horses are, um, it's a bit of a strange subject to talk about, but I think telepathic communication is important as well. Horses often think in, in images and in a silent language. Mm. Um, and when we start to uh, develop that, it's just like learning any other language. And that's why it's not something that you can just get one day. It's something that comes with spending time developing uh, yourself in that way being quiet with your horses and see what uh, what comes out and what you actually take in of your horse um, to develop that further um, and a lot of people get a little bit scared of that but I think less nowadays because it becomes more natural again um, as our world develops um, and um, and we're coming back to our original natural way of being in a way um, that, uh, that that communication is there um, yeah, but it is something that we need to develop. It's just like 
we want to learn Russian. It's not going to happen just tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. we, need to, we need to develop the language and, uh, and make little mistakes while we're going along and always reflect back to, did we understand that right? Or was it slightly different? And what's our own wishes? And what's actually really what the horse is saying? Yeah, yeah. That, that can, can be, be confronting. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> it's, um, I remember I uh, got a hair test done by a woman called the horse herbalist, Angela Davison, and she basically connects with the horse and gives you a rundown and she gives you a checklist out of 10 as to how your horse is feeling about things, including you. And she rang me with the results. I'm like, oh, I have never been so nervous in my life. Yes. It's like here I am wanting such a deep connection with my horse, but I, do I really want to hear what the horse has to say? Exactly. It's, it's really interesting because you think you want to know and you think you want deep connection, but when it actually comes to listening to what's coming on the other side, it's like, well, what if you hear something that you don't like? What exactly. if you hear something that you have to change within you? Are you ready for that? Because yeah. that's a big part of horsemanship as well, I believe. And what does it, what does it expose, it can it feel like exposure, exposing yourself a little bit too, also, and particularly when it is with the third person there, like, I think that's a scary part for people in the first step of it. It's like, it's confronting. Yeah. Do you want that? Um, and also, you know, what you have been doing you with your horse on a one-on-one -on -one, and you know, the small mistakes. And if you punish yourself over them then you can get quite nervous when you start to connect like that but the thing is horses are very non-judgmental overall and yeah. that's people uh, that's a real realization that you get when you uh, communicate uh, well with animals is that they they are seldom uh, judgmental it can happen it can happen that a horse is holding a little holding back because of experiences that it actually or it stops connecting with humans because it is when we're talking about that violation of working with the body but never actually connecting to the mind mm -hmm. um that is it still happens much more than what well, i would like it in this world in that submission training and horses can almost just well horses do they are very submissive by nature so they 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 let themselves go into that that dark spot quite easily and and when they then get a chance to change that relationship or to change the situation they can hold back on that they might have created four walls around them and and that has become sort of a safe place to be in and and don't take them out of there because it can open can of worms uh, they can get a little bit offended at some places but very rarely uh long term mm. horses yeah. are non-judgmental yeah um, and you know yourself when you've got a big issue and it's bottling up just being able to talk about it and feeling heard can actually shift it so you know whilst mm. there's a lot of nervousness and having that vulnerability of hearing what the horse says it's like it, it really can be solved in a conversation Oh, mostly instantly, mm. because the interesting thing about communicating with an animal is that at the moment that you just acknowledge that there is a full spirit, there is usually already enough. You don't really need to process. Um, it's important to understand how the horse is feeling about certain things, but that's more for the human so that you can develop your skill to ask the right thing. But for the horse, they just take it as it is. Even if they say, oh, I don't really like that. If you ask again tomorrow, they'll do it again. Because it's in their essence is to uh, usually comply. Yeah, to serve. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that makes it for me such a 
that's my passion in the journey is that, you know, that is in their essence and it would be nice to, to use that with full appreciation, to be aware of that, to have full appreciation of that and respect of that. Um, so, cause it is very easy to over ask uh, our horses. And I think it's a big part of why we create so much damage physically and emotionally uh, in horses. And it's quite precious to, uh, to be aware. It's, it's, a, it's very, the horse is a very precious, is a very precious being. If we are uh, aware of it, then it's amazing. The communication, the development that you can have with your horses mm. and the enjoyment you get out of it, both, both sides. Because horses do like very much being around humans. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I, uh, I, I, every time I see it and I look after neighbours, animals and things like that, and I'm like, yeah, animals really missed you. Like they, mm. they enjoyed having me here, but they really missed you. Like they love their humans. They really do. And um, it's their family bonds they're creating. Yeah. So it's like we, we have created, we have walked a path with them for a long time already. Maybe not, you know, in the creation of earth, but um, in that sense, but, you know, on a, on a gener generation generations of lives we have been with our horses a long time we've been with our dogs a long time uh, with cats as well mm -hmm. all in different journeys a little bit in a different sense and horses of course in a way we have created a submissive relationship because we decided that we were going to ride them mm. so um, but that is I think that's why I would like to uh, I would like to protect the the soul of horses as much as possible in that way. Mm. So um, and and I do believe that they have come to. I do believe that they like having that relationship when it's when it's a good relationship and they like being ridden. Um, I do think that because I've had a long a, a, a time where I was when you're researching and you're learning and you're developing and you're um, looking at the the scientific evidence of what the impact is of riding horses for most horses um and you're looking at their nature you start to, to feel a little bit unsure is it actually okay to ride horses or not but um, i've learned that um that in my experience so far anyway i think that uh, we we can do that and we can make it very enjoyable for both sides Mm, I completely agree. I went through exactly the same thing. I went through, I don't think I'll ever ride a horse again to, I definitely um, will and know how to do it in a way that suits both where it's a, it's a joint partnership and, and yeah. a beautiful connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as you said it before, I think like when the horse is coming running up or uh, not wanting to be with a human, that's your first reference. If your horse doesn't come running to you when it sees you on the other side of the paddock, then there's some stuff that you need to look at in that relationship because overall they really do like being with us. So if they still walk away, then there's something going not quite right for the horse in that experience of being ridden or whatever the work is that you're doing with your horses. Mm. Um, something's not quite um, balanced. And it can be turned around. It often, it always can be turned around. Always. Yeah. 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 It's just, a, it's just a moment in time that can be changed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You just need to find the answers. Yep. Mm, that means digging a bit deeper and often it means that you need to be brave and go on your own 
soul journey a little bit um, rather than just sticking with what you're used to and what's been done around you. That's the thing is that the scary part of it is often that you need to um, steer your own journey a little bit um, mm -hmm. and find the answers. And then usually it's, uh, it, it's really uh, quickly the horse will turn around and go, actually, I would love to. I would love to be with you. Like, yeah, let's go. And it can be something very simple, like ill-fitting saddle or, you know, the wrong, the wrong bridle. But uh, often it's a combination of things. And usually it's a physical discomfort that turns into an emotional discomfort. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And if you want a, a deep spiritual relationship with your horse, you've got to have one with yourself. Yes, that's okay. absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. You can't have one without the other. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, relaxation in dressage. How do you find that? Because to me, dressage looks like it takes an enormous amount of effort, but I also see that you do a lot of rehab and relaxation through dressage. How do you do that? Yeah. Um, so first of all, of course, and we need to think about it like dressage, um, what we see today in most ways is not relaxing and it is asking for a lot of high intensity work and 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 straight and often strain and that is the first thing is is that for me when we're working in dressage activation of the system can is a positive like when we are um moving it's good for us to engage our body that is actually a part of finding relaxation. We do need to be active. We need to engage ourselves. And, and scientifically, more and more, we can prove that the healthiest way is by high-intensity interval training. Like when we're looking at that, we, if we go for peaks of good engagement, it actually brings our body into a healthy development in the quickest sense. Um, the other side of it is for long-term sound. We have continuous motion. Going for uh, long and relaxed walks is the best way to keep ourselves healthy in that way. And then being aware of what is balance in our body, what's alignment. So alignment of the body, and this is talking about the skeletal system, that is the first part of relaxation because when we get out of alignment and we start to strain somewhere, our body becomes tense, the nervous system is impacted, it creates a reaction of functioning, and with that, um, our energies become disturbed and then we get stressed. So emotional, uh, of course, outside influences of emotion, they lock somewhere physically in our body as well, right? We almost all are aware of that these days that when we get uh, stress emotionally, when we're, putting under when we're put under pressure, then um, we can get sore in the chest or we can get headed migraines or so usually it becomes something physical. So in training with our horses, that is what we're doing. When we're working in dressage, we're working on, first of all, I'm working on alignment of the body. And that means in rehabilitation, where is the alignment at this part of the journey? So that doesn't mean creating a fully perfectly straight horse from the get-go, because first of all, that's impossible. Um, complete straightness does not exist. And Often when we're obviously when we're working in rehabilitation, let's go for a physical rehabilitation. The horse got an injury. We will have to start to find why did the injury come about? What's going on in the body? Because usually the problem is not starting at the right hind leg or the left stifle. The injury is just coming out there. The actual damage is coming out there, but it's usually compensation damage. It's because the body is out of alignment somewhere else. And so that way, working on on a very uh, on on soft 
um, wealth thought through manipulation through the body to find ways to create the alignment. And that first means muscle relaxation, because usually around a pain brace or emotional brace, muscle tends up. And there are certain parts of the body where that muscle will start to tense and, and become uh, locked. But underneath that, there is lock as well. When there's muscle lock, there'll be ligament tension and, uh, and there'll be a tightening through the entire system. And usually where these tightening positions are, there'll be, there might be some underlying structural start of inflammation or even damage, thinking about arthritic changes and things like that, or just a a spine that's come out of alignment and that we're creating twists in that. And so the body needs to protect itself. It's a protective mechanism. When you're getting tense muscle, it's just protection. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we're looking at releasing through the system to find the relaxation and to find the elasticity back into those areas that are locked down. And then at the same time, we need to be careful that we then engage the body and create strength to carry the system well so that there's no strain left anymore. There's just activation, positive engagement, positive tension versus negative tension, negative tension being damaging and positive tension means that we are creating suspension and that's shock absorption of motion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Beautiful. So, um, so when we're looking at that, it means that we have to take the steps of dressage when I'm riding a horse, like, um, for example, if I have a, one of my, my horses, my own horses to a, to a point of education where I can start doing, um, high school movement with this horse and the horse can make a terre, terre which is a battle, uh, a battle movement is very high intensity. You look at the horse and you can see that everything in the body is engaged. But if you're looking at the deeper uh, feel of the horse, of the energe energy of the horse, the energy can be up, but it is relaxed. There's no strain and there's no anxiety or tension related to the engagement. If there is, I missed part of my training. I need to go and take steps back and actually look for why is the horse straining? Because if the horse is straining or it starts to feel tense, then it's not having enough strength and balance to perform the asked exercise. Mm -hmm. So something in your training is not quite there yet. You need to take a few steps back. Um, I hope that explains it. It does. What is it like to ride a horse when they're in that condition that you just spoke of? Very powerful. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a very powerful um, coming together and it becomes very fluid one <clears throat> when we start riding our horses the very first part of education is to become one with the animal with that being underneath you and that comes through um learning how to sit on a horse correctly with a a pelvis that can move through all of the different movement and flu uh, 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 flowing of motion of the spinal column of the horse. That's what we're riding on, right? And mm -hmm. so in essence, we're riding, we become four legs. So we become, it's a bit like the picture of the, of a centaur, that mythical picture of half man and half horse that was created in a time when, um, when we were melting together with an animal, the mythical uh, picture of that is just what we're searching for when we're riding our horses. It's becoming one, um, a very, very close partnership. It's very powerful and it's very relaxed at the same time. Everything is just 
uh, feeling natural. So if I ride a horse in a in a terra terre, I can think left and the horse will move left, and I can think right and the horse is moving right. And of course, it's not just the thought. There's a whole line of micro changes going through your body, the energy, your intention of of movement um, that makes that happen. And there's years of training that go in front of that that actually establish that communication. But we can start we can have this from the beginning we can have that from the beginning it's just it's the power the strength the ability to create that sort of power and and movement that takes time right is that's that's uh consistent work over years that creates that sort of strength in the body of the horse mm-hmm. um the feeling of oneness that can be from the very first moment that you that you start working with uh, with the animal with your with your animal yeah wow that that gives us all hope. We don't have to get to that top level to be riding those movements to, to have that feeling. That's fantastic. Yeah, not at all. I'm a very, very big promoter of starting your own horses. I've done it very successfully for many years now with amateur riders that start their own youngster that actually uh, buy a youngster, preferably from a staff farm where the horse is brought up well with humans and in good connection with the humans, uh, with trust and uh, and the wish to be near humans and uh, and to help to guide a youngster like that on the path of starting uh, with groundwork and then developing the skill of communication. And one day through my clinics, I will say, yeah, it's time to sit on this horse. Let's let's have a ride. And, uh, and to have someone that's never done it before to actually start riding their own horse the very first time they, they, they ride the horse, it's them, it's their, themselves sitting on the horse. And then to give them, uh, to give uh, my student the tools and ways of communication that it keeps it always in a safe place um, to, to ride the horse. It's not necessary to... Um, to let someone else break the horse in. It's not at all necessary. And if you would like to have that really close connection with the horse, it's better if you do it yourself because it's your connection. So um, you can get this definitely from the very beginning with a little bit of help to stay on, on a clear path and to make a commitment that you don't go for forceful or submissive methods mm-hmm. just because you're frightened. Because you don't need to be frightened. Just take your time and it becomes natural. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's so amazing. Okay, I have another thing. I was telling you before we started the interview, your name has been around. Um, Friends of mine have worked with you for a long time and I used to always think that bits were bad for horses and it was a friend of mine who knew of, you know, one of her horses was training with you under another person and they said to me, do you know when you get a high-level dressage, sometimes a bit can actually bring relaxation to a horse and people are either bit people or non-bit people and I really wanted to get your because I was a non-bit person and then when I heard this it again it was the ignorance that um, I I hadn't researched enough and I hadn't heard of this Mm -hmm. because it's hard it's hard to research because it's very very little available at this time still and in most cases I agree with the non-bit people because uh, bits being used as a tool to have a bar of steel in the mouth to control the animal and and uh, force it to turn its head left or right that is abuse of 
uh, of the horse mm-hmm. and uh, and to pull on the bit uh, so that it actually gets so much force on the tongue that the tongue turns blue and uh, and the horse can't function and breathe correctly or being pulled through the chest where it doesn't even have a full vision or full you know um, ability to look around anymore those are really awful practices and sadly i have experienced this firsthand when we started our conversation talking about the times of uh of you know great um uh people thinking that it was uh, that was a great idea to ride horses in hyperflexion luckily yeah. we're coming away from these ideas but finding relaxation through the bid we first need to understand what we use a bit for and the first thing that i would like to talk about then is the idea if we want to sit on a horse we need to understand that we need to guide the horse to create a shape of self-carriage and that is very important it's self-carriage it's not a forced uh, frame it is a is a it's the natural uh, way of carrying that is nature to the horse that would engage its suspension system so that it can carry us without breaking down That's really important because if we sit on the horse, it looks like it can carry us just walking out with the nose forward and and with a little bit stretched out neck because it's nice and long in the frame and the the neck is not not a little bit arched. But over time, this actually compresses the system of the horse. This compresses the spinal column. It makes the spinous processes come together. You'll create kissing spine and you will create a horse that walks on the forehand and therefore eventually will create damage through the joints of of the legs, right? So that's one thing to understand. There's no other way then that we need to engage our horses to carry itself well. Then we need to understand the mechanics on the inside that creates this system of functioning and and what the horse will do if the system is compromised. And one of the things that the horse will do is that, no, sorry, one of the things we need to understand is that the tongue is connected to the hind leg of the horse. So by muscle chain functioning, the horse can either, it can either function correctly or it doesn't function correctly. If the horse is compromised and it starts to lock muscle at the front, and the thing is, what do you do when you need to strain yourself? One of the first things a human will do is cleanse its jaw. Mm. Interestingly enough, horses do the same thing. When they, when they cleanse the jaw, it compromises their system of muscles that are connecting itself all the way through to the hind legs, through core, through the chest, through the underside of the neck, all the way into the pelvis, the connection to the hind leg moving forward. And we do need to have a correct coming forward of the hind leg as the horse is on four legs to bring that hind leg to a place where we're sitting as a rider so that the horse can use core engagement to lift its back rather trying to strain through the long back muscles to try and hold us up. That doesn't work over time right? So we need this correct functioning of the system. Now, when the horse is cleansing, when the horse is losing that ability to move the hind leg forward, that's what will happen. Um, Then the horse is bracing and that's how it breaks down. So I've seen many, many horses with uh, damage through through their TMJ and, and the thing that connects the tongue to the hind end is called the hyoid apparatus. Um, And that have significant damage or dysfunction through this hyoid apparatus, 
therefore they're not able to actually lift the back correctly and even goes to the point of not being able to use their diaphragm so their respiratory uh, system correctly getting shallow breathing and over time creating pain and discomfort by bitless riding yeah. because if the horse is not asked into the right frame it will not actually be able to to carry as well so it's not always the right answer neither is a bit yeah. I would say that for a beginner rider, it's important to ride without the bit. It's important, first of all, how to learn how to sit on the horse without the bit. But if we start to get educated as a rider, and if we actually uh, start to train a horse to have a good carrying system, um, then a bit can be a, a really beautiful tool to help the horse release. When we use a bit, we need to understand that the whole purpose of the bit in the mouth of the horse is the ability to tickle the tongue, to, in, to roll over the tongue in a way that we promote the horse to release and lick and move the jaw, which means TMJ release, which means correct nervous system functioning and therefore correct muscle chain engagement, which then helps to have and consistently hold a correct frame to carry a rider i hope that was not too complicated <laughs> no and it goes it goes back to what you were saying before which is it's not about the training technique it's not about the bit it's about starting in the right way and doing it properly from the start getting that connection understanding your horse and working yes. from that moment you know we're all when we're talking about bits and when we're talking about tack and when we're talking about training styles we're 10 steps down the road and we actually need to come back to number one is what i've exactly. really gained from talking to you today exactly yeah that's exactly right. It's, the, it's just, it goes into needless and, and kind of useless discussions on where the danger of going in. It's important to talk about these topics because it is important. It's the people that are actively, passionately promoting bitless riding that have first started educating other people that maybe it's not a good idea to actually pull on the steel piece in the mouth. Yes. So it is, they are important discussions. Yes. But, and I, um, I agree with them that 99% of the time bits are not needed. It can't become a religion. Yeah. But it, it can't danger. be one or the other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's because whilst the bit could be bad, so can bitless riders. It's, Absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's about understanding um, what is a correct frame or function to carry us as a rider if we want to ride our horses we need to take care of that we need to take care that the horse is not compromised and breaking down over time that's our responsibility and and the bit can be a tool to help release um and help function correctly it can be done bitless i have riders that ride with just a cordeo ring Mm. and they do really well as well but don't think that that can be only a friendly tool because it is putting a direct pressure on uh on the windpipe of the horse and on the lower cervical of the horse so if you ride with a sharp rope and you pull it into the lower neck you can get a hyperflexion a rocker sense of riding there is riders out there that show uh cordeo riding in in high exercises and that are not necessarily having a very nice functioning of the frame and i have seen um horses creating arthritis through the lower cervical just ridden in a cordeo ring in the neck ring wow. so it's not necessarily so that just the tool makes it friendly um it's how you use it and um, how you learn to use it and how you learn to balance yourself and, and uh, create that healthy framing. Mm, absolutely. It's, um, you know, when we're looking at 
when we're looking at anything outside of ourselves, uh, we're getting it wrong, really. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we yeah. need to we need to keep educating ourselves and look at all the different different angles and different tools and different um, theories out there. And then you need to think back to that and reflect back to you and your horse and say, what is the appropriate starting point for me where I'm at right now with my horse? What's going on with my horse? What are the weaknesses? What are the strengths? Do we have a good communication? Is my horse happy to be with me? Um, and where do I go from here? How am I going to make sure that I get the best relationship and I look after my animal and it stays healthy and sound? Um, and, uh, and we can have a relationship that lasts for a horse at least well into their 20s, but preferably well into their 30s. Yeah, I've, I think 30s is very reasonable. Absolutely, yes. Wonderful. God, what a what an amazing conversation. I always knew this was going to be a good conversation and I never knew why. Now I do. <laughs> Belinda, where can people find you? Um, so first of all, people can find me just on social media. Um, my social media is called Belinda Bolsenbrook Academy. I have got an online academy um, that uh, that is uh, developing rapidly uh, further and further and, and expanding. Um, and so this is a place where my students connect and new students connect. I have uh, in my academy, I've been working for a very long time also on um, clinics and masterclasses. So people can find me uh, on uh, my website as well, blindabolsenbroek.academy, and, um, and see where my coordinators are situated in the world to have uh, live clinics and live experiences. Um, but yeah, online is the first place to, to connect and uh, and I have online platforms with uh, masterclasses or uh, or theory um, um, uh, studies that you can learn. And um, Facebook is probably the first part to start looking for me in that way um, and uh, and find out what I'm busy with, what my academy is busy with, and also my students that are student coaches because I have quite a few of them. Uh, as well that uh, can help people further in different areas because it can't be everywhere at the same time but in that way they can connect with me and then also come back to me as a direct student mm. as well and that's one of the things uh, one of the little gifts COVID's given us is that um, is that everyone's had the time and the um, need now to go online um, so those who are, who are out doing clinics everywhere have actually gone more online which helps reach more people so it's a wonderful thing yes exactly yeah, yeah I will have all the links to connect with um, with Belinda in the show notes so uh, definitely go there and check that out but um, for now Belinda thank you so much for your time today but more importantly my god thanks for everything you're doing in the horse world it's um it's extraordinary and i'm so grateful that you are out here doing this and that i can share your story with the world oh thank you so much trace it's been a really lovely uh, conversation with you and uh, same counts same counts for you uh it's beautiful to uh put these kind of uh programs out and and uh help people gain knowledge and understanding so i'm grateful for uh, everybody and i'm grateful for you uh doing that as well and inviting me to come and have a chat with you so thank you i'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life this is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help 
If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you, as a subscriber, will have a say in. You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boosts the podcast up. And basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world. You could also share this podcast with a friend. Tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy. All the links you need can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.